with Carlton, for example, I really had to remove the emotion from it, which I was able to do. And yeah, like I said, I still had plenty of questions and I went through four interviews and there was questions in every single interview that I took because as the interviews went on, I found out more and more about the role and the people. That's probably something about working in sport. Sometimes you've got to take the emotion out of it. Mm. Yeah. So you, could, so you don't get caught up in, oh, I want to work there because it's my favorite club. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you, you still want it to be the right job. G'day guys, today on the pod is Maddie Ryan, membership sales officer at the mighty Carlton Football Club. Maddie made a transition into sport earlier this year following past experience in marketing and human resources. She started off her career in sport in a membership role at Richmond Footy Club before making her way to the beloved Carlton Footy Club. Membership roles are one of those most popular starting points for careers in sport. So this episode, we uncover what the process looks like and what you need to prepare for so like Maddie, you can land a job at your favourite team. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grade Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker. Joining me is the notable Reuben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in sports. We tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills and everything they do that makes them great. Also that you can learn how to get in, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. Rubes, how are you my friend, my Portuguese mate? How are you? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing terrific. Thank you. Uh, yes, I've made my way to Portugal. I'm currently in Praia de Luz just outside of Lagos, so having a wonderful time over here and uh, filled with a lot of energy this week because we have just kicked off the Sports Grad Pro community. So we've got 80 brand new members inside that who come from, I think, 63 different organizations across the sports industry including all the majors, AFL, cricket, netball, you name it, they're all in there. So an amazing group that have got me kind of really excited to, to be a part of it and to, to help facilitate uh, their connection. So doing really well. But um, how are you? I'm so happy we got a Carlton person in because uh, you've been to a couple <laughs> of Carlton games at the MCG recently, average crowd of about 94,000 each, I think. How, uh, how was the Blues experience from your perspective? Yeah, I must say it's been it's been a weird experience. I've kind of become a, a bit of a Carlton supporter in the in the most recent weeks. So, um, but no, like electric. Like I was there last when was it Friday? D's v Carlton, ninety six thousand at the G. And I honestly like when Blake Akers kicked that goal for the Carlton Footy Club to take the win. Like the the sound was just insane. Like it's definitely one of the loudest sounds I've ever heard at the MCG. And there's just baggers fans just going crazy. I'm quite certain it was more of a Melbourne home game than Carlton, but it felt like there was about 95,000 Carlton supporters and about 1,000 Demon supporters on the night. But um, no, it was just insane. Like one of those one of those sporting events where you're like, I was lucky to lucky to go, just because Carlton haven't been there for so long. And the oh, the the sound oh, like. I'll remember it forever. Like it was honestly just insane. 
um, to seeing people like literally like grown men crying at, at the fact that Carlton are in the prelim final at that kind of level. Um, so yeah, it was, it was incredible. Very happy to have gone now. I'm not sure who I'm going for. Um, but we'll see. It was, it's been a good ride to be on the Carlton bandwagon. It has been a lot of fun following Carlton and, um, we always love supporting the teams that we get the fortunate opportunity to work with. And so it would have been a bit conflicting for you because uh, Melbourne Football Club were very helpful to us earlier this year when we ran a meetup in conjunction with them. So we love the Melbourne Footy Club, but we also love the Carlton Footy Club because they've got 150 students at their college going through our course and curriculum at the moment. So we do a lot of work with them. So we're very happy to see both in the finals, but um, it's awesome to see uh, our friends at Carlton do well and and, and make the prelim too. So um, I'm not sure a lot of work will be being done at the college this week. I think everyone will just be keeping their eyes on on the training track. I think it'll just be open training the whole week and that can be the curriculum, just absorbing the fanfare of, of Carlton. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's made me think we need like, we need a sports grad cup next year for all the the different footy clubs that we've worked with in the past. And obviously I think Melbourne Carlton is the, the rivalry. That's the, that's the game that we had our meetup at this year as well. So it was, uh, it's a bit of a special fixture for us. It, it's, it's deep in our hearts uh, and we, we care. So yeah, it was unusual, but um, insanely cool at the same time. So it's great. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, yeah, and you, you were catching up from over in Portugal, weren't you? Watching live? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, about mid-morning for me when, when the game was on. So I was just tapping away, doing a few things, a laptop with uh, with uh, the AFL live pass on the top corner of the screen. Um, I've been lucky enough to, to grab a login from a few other overseas people. So um, I think there's a few people who are, got the same login for that. Funnily enough, the password was GoDees. <laughs> uh, I won't tell you the email address, but the password was GoDees to log into that. So, um, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, had that on in, I had that on in the corner, so I got to catch up on the game and, and not miss out on any of the action. But um, speaking of the sports grad community, uh, we say it's a massive week every single week because there is always so much going on. We, um, we mentioned last week we had eight people join the Australian Open team. I might give them a shout-out by name this week. Those people are Justin Raymer, Vanessa Chan, Andrea Alfonza, Putra, Aman Singal, Hrade Bajaj, Kriraj Singal, Caitlin Stones, and Ida Moini. So well done to you guys on um sensational effort for getting a job at the Australian Open. And then a few of our favourites have also picked up some awesome jobs too. Maddie Reith joining the O'Brien group up at the Gabba after a stellar FIFA Women's World Cup experience. Jordan Dana, match day volunteer at the Melbourne Boomers, doing some awesome stuff there. Legend. Arnav and Corey Burl <laughs> uh, joining TLA as event assistants. And uh, Anant V. Singnanya, one of our favourites, has been around the community for a long time, picking up a role as accreditation coordinator at the Victorian Racing Club. So he's got a big spring carnival coming right up. So well done to you. Well done to all those mentioned. But if you want to get involved and learn how to get your foot in the door of the sports industry, make sure you sign up to become a member. Head to uh, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash community to uh, join the waitlist to become a member. And uh, if you want to get our newsletter where you can stay up to date with everything that's going on, events that are happening, 
then head to forward slash newsletter to, uh, to grab that as well. Fantastic. Well, uh, grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Matty Ryan. Reason Deacon Sports Management course attracts the greatest talent the nation has to offer. Because when you join the longest running sports management course in Australia, you'll gain access to unique opportunities with leading clubs and organisations. Their partnerships with the Geelong Footy Club, Deakin Melbourne Boomers and Nepal Victoria and multiple elite industry partners will open the door to exciting placement experiences that connect you with the best athletes, managers and administrators in sport. Help shape the future of the sports industry, secure your part in the golden decade of sport. Maddie, welcome to the Sports Grab podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Maddie, it's wonderful to, to hear your voice uh, coming through the Zoom call, but I wanted to ask you quickly before we dive in, how has your week been? Because this is surely the most exciting it's ever been to work at Carlton in the last decade, and you are right amongst it. So how's, uh, how's the office at the moment? Uh, it's honestly, it's great vibes everywhere. Uh, it's very busy. It's chaos. Um, long hours every day, but the uh, energy in the office makes up for it. Love it. There'd be, there'd be people jumping over fences, coming through Carlton HQ to, to get their memberships. I'm yeah. sure you've just been on the phone and yeah. trying to get people's their finals tickets and all kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the season's over and people are still trying to get their memberships. So, <laughs> Me being one. Yeah. Uh, well, actually not trying. I, I am a Carlton member. Uh, I was saying to Rubes offline and off the record, even though we are on record right now, but I'm a Carlton member. I've got my barcode and uh, I'm prepared for if the baggers go all the way. So, uh, you know, I feel a little bit bad given I'm a West Coast fan, but hey, sometimes you've got to jump on the bandwagon, don't you, Rubes? Absolutely. And I feel like people were doing that with West Coast back in the day when West Coast would just appear in a grand final every year. So you'd buy a West Coast membership to get a ticket to the MCG. So I think that's I think that's totally fine. But Carlton also have a terrific cafe at the front of the office. And I reckon a fair few people would be stopping by to get their coffee at Carlton HQ this week just to try and bump into Paddy Cripps or Michael Voss picking up their latte. Has that been the case, Maddie? I was actually just going to say that uh, today uh, was especially the case. Cafe is quite big. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that's what I mean. It's chaos everywhere at the club, even in the cafe. People will sit there for hours. And even though we have no open training, people will still try to peep through. I love it. There'd be, there'd be Carlton fans who are just everywhere. driving down Icon thinking, hmm, yeah, I might, I might just head in for a coffee and just be amongst the Premiership Cups on the entrance and just maybe, maybe I'll. I'll get a glimpse of the fellas uh, running around. So it'd be funny being a you know a staff member seeing the general public just yeah. coming in for a coffee uh, yeah. most hours of the day. Um, no, that's awesome. It sounds like it's a huge vibe, and, and we'll we'll touch on that later. But um, you're obviously a massive sports club podcast listener. Uh, you know how how this works. We, we do a few quick fire questions to start, just to give our our audience a bit of an insight into into who you are and uh, what you're about. So Shoot. I'll kick us off. Uh, what was your first ever job? Uh, Maccas when I was 15. Love it. At Tacoma. So if any, if any Melbourne listeners know, huge protests every day. Every day there. <laughs> well, shout out to them. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll be listening. So no, Great first job, honestly. Had 10 security guards at work every day. Good first job. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like Carlton Footy Club at the moment, just making sure everyone's <laughs> protected. And what did you study at university, Maddie? Uh, Bachelor of Business, uh, majored in marketing. 
Nice. I'm in my last semester at the moment, actually. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, and your favourite sporting moment? Um, I can't – I mean, I don't want to say ever, but most recently I can't go past last weekend. I mean, it's so fresh in my brain still. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, shout out to my dad. Um, he made me a Carlton supporter. Um, wasn't my choice, but uh, very thankful. And that was our first final to go to, together. And uh, it was a very special moment. Awesome. So yeah, a few shears, a few tears shed between us. Um, but yeah, to experience that with my dad, like, yeah. Love it. Unreal. Wonderful. And uh, Maddie, if you only had 30 minutes to pick someone's brain, who would it be and why? Uh, Vossi, because I want to know how we went from um, where we did this year to where we are now. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, All right, it's I'll, amazing. Ten weeks ago, people were calling uh, calling for his head and yeah, wanting all of a sudden him, they're... Wanting him gone. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, I'm sure if they go all the way, you, you'll probably get that opportunity. So I, uh, I hope you do. Who knows? Amazing. All right, mate, let's jump into it now. We're keen to learn a bit about you and your career journey. So you didn't necessarily have the typical progression into the sports industry. What sort of roles were you doing before you landed at the Carlton Footy Club? Um, I think that um, everyone has a very different journey when starting their career in sport. And um, yeah, I definitely don't think um, that mine was as common common as others. Um, but yeah, I'd worked primarily as a store manager. I'd worked in a lot of retail and hospitality and then uh, most recently worked across admin. So worked in marketing and human resources. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was really thankful um, and grateful for where I am now. Um, I just never gave up applying for jobs in sports. So uh, here I am. And now, yeah, so just recently worked at Richmond and now at Carlton. Nice. And the, uh, I, love the, I love the transition from Richmond to Carlton. That, that's a very nice one, given your, your bitter rivals. I know. Yeah, um, quite ironic, but yeah. Makes here sense. I am. Yeah, yeah it was kind of it was quite quite interesting actually to have the experience in both sides. But um, Richmond never been a fan, but uh, they I did grow a soft spot while I was there. Really nice guys. So nice one. And w- are there any sort of things you learnt early on in in those roles that you've come from that you've sort of taken on your way and, and sort of help you today? Um, I think in ev- I think because I'd worked across so many different industries and businesses, there was. Um, different skills that I'd learn across all those jobs. And without even realising, I mean, you just kind of wake up one day and you go to work and everything you've ever learnt just kind of comes to life. So um, I think like my relationship building skills and um, the ability to work with so many different stakeholders and personalities um, kind of carries through, especially in sport. There's so many different people involved across a club. Um, so being able to communicate and um, work with so many different people. We, we absolutely love uh, career swappers at Sports Grade. Like part of our community are like, you know, careers, ca- people who are coming from different careers and wanting to get into sport. Um, and hearing some of those stories is, is awesome for us because, you know, we think everybody should be working in sport. Um, but I guess ha- how did you know that, you know, you, you wanted to make that transition in? Yeah, um, I think most people say when they want to work in sports because they're passionate and like it's true. Um, but I mean, for me, like sport was always such an integral part of my life. I grew up in a small country <laughs> town and, um, yeah, sport was, um, really big up there. It's kind of where we, what we did after school, um, to hang out with our friends and on the Saturday, everyone was at the footy and netball club and it was such a great community feeling. Everyone knew everyone and my mum used to volunteer at the uh, canteen there. And, um, yeah, like the community and the sport for me, um, was always something 
that I held really close to my heart. So sport's something I've always been really passionate about. My family's huge on sport. I'm huge on sport, um, especially AFL, of course, like many other Melbournians. But um, being passionate about my job was always really important to me as well. So um, I know that people say, love your job and you'll never work a day in your life, but it's true. Like I can work 45 hours, wake up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday and work till 10 p.m. on a Sunday night and it does not phase me in the slightest. Like if you told me yeah. that 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. Nice. And um, Maddie, just on how you first got that initial foot in the door of the sports industry, what sort of things did you do to transfer your uh, your previous skills in, into sport because you had all this other great experience in other industries so what what sort of things were important for you to be able to convince an employer in the sports industry that you were a good fit um I think across my career um I've been quite successful um and that was purely from hard work and to be successful in sport and to get your foot in the door like passion is good yeah but being driven um is also really important um and the reason that I've been so successful is because I'm such a driven person so um, probably my drive and my excitement, um, my willingness to want to succeed. Yeah, awesome. I think I think as well, like some of the roles you mentioned are very like people focused, yeah, yeah. right? And and sport is one of those industries where if you, you know, you you're not going to struggle. You might struggle in various areas, but you've kind of got to have a no, bit of people skill do, about you, right? 100%. Because um, you know you're going to be talking to people nonstop. Yeah, yeah and I've to, always been do that. Yeah, in a customer-centric or people-centric role. So um, back to growing um, and maintaining all those relationships, I think that um, transferred across quite seamlessly as well. And let's chat about some of your, your recent roles before you got to uh, the baggers and the mighty, the mighty <laughs> blues. You, you're obviously at Richmond. Flaggers. Um, what did that look like sort of from an application process to sort of, you know, what sort of questions did they ask you to, to get the job? What was the process like to, to get into the Tigers? I think that every sporting um, sporting club would have a very different process. Um, but I know for them, uh, it was a group interview. So I'd actually never done one of those before. Um, nice. Despite being 26 and having many different um, many different jobs, not too many, but <laughs> um, enough that I'd never had to do a group interview. And even when I was a manager, like I never even conducted group interviews. But that was that was very strange for yeah. me. Um yeah, very different to anything I'd ever done. So, um, yeah, group interview, and we went from there. Ta- take us inside <laughs> the uh, the four wall, like, because it's a question like we get asked it a lot, don't we? It's like, what what are some tips for group interviews? And we we spoke about it with V in a couple of episodes mm. ago in her episode. Um, but tell us what that was like, because it's it's not that common, right? It's yeah, I don't think it you is. Sit at all. across the table like we are now yeah. and have a chat, whereas yeah. like the group interview is a bit of an unusual one. For yeah. See, I personally through. feel like group interviews, you can't really gauge someone. But there's a really important things that you can gauge in group interviews, which is obviously why they do it. Yeah. To how you communicate and how you work with different people. And if you can stand up in front of a crowd and um, do a presentation mm. um, and how you present yourself. So I guess that was kind of the cornerstone for that was how you present yourself um, yep. and how you communicate with people that you've never met before. And there was a lot of people in that room. There had to be over 20 people and there was six of us in the wow. end. Um, 20 in a group interview yeah it was huge that's huge yeah and I I mean I had no idea what to expect I was expecting maybe 10 people but um, yeah well over 20 and all different ages uh, many different personalities and yeah and and is that the only group interview that they ran to hire those six did they hire six positions did you say or there multiple group interviews going on from that 
from our group. Yeah, it was just the group interview. Wow. <laughs> that's that's super interesting. Like what's when you arrive, what's what's the first question they ask you or first sort of directive they give you? Uh, oh, this was actually my favourite question. If you could spend the day with any sporting hero, who would it be? Oh, so. But I said Christian Petrarca because, hello, <laughs> like if anyone follows his TikTok, then you know. It's good at cooking. Yeah, exactly. It's good at cooking. If You're going to be well fed. It's going to be him. Like, not only is he a great guy, but if he cooks yeah. like that, I'm spending the day with him. It's a nice icebreaker. Like, and that's, yeah. why we, that's why we do it, right? Who would you, who would you pick your brain? So yeah. you've gone from the track to, to Vossi. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. That. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it was all, it was all group activities and team activities and a yeah. presentation at the end. So not your standard interview at all. What, what, what sort of activities are we talking about? Is it like, you know, you know those like random activities where they get everyone to like cross hands and you hold a random hand and then you've got to like untangle yourselves and it's like, you know, team building. Is it that sort of stuff or something different? I'm thinking of that dance game. What's it called with all the circles on the floor? What, Twister. Twister. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking of in my head right now. Um, the primary, um, the primary task we had to do was build a presentation together. So, um, on why you should become a member of the club, but, um, yeah, the rest were just very like selling products, um, things like that. So, and for context, this role was a membership role, right? Yeah, correct. So, um, again, very, um, very based on selling. Yeah. That's pretty much what everything was about. Yeah. Selling and customer service. So, Yeah. Um, you mentioned before, you know, each AFL club will be looking at different things. Are, are, are there any similarities between like the process you went through with Richmond and Carlton, given it's sort of both in that membership space? Personally, I think they were very different processes, but I think that's because um, Carlton had only hired, um, you know, a few of us rather than a big yeah. group. So um, just a one-on-one interview. But I don't really think there were similarities. I, maybe there was um, – but yeah, very different process overall. Yeah. So rather than group interview, it was all one-on-one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Gotcha. And really delve into you. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what you want to do. Yeah, cool. What um, Do you remember some of the questions from that Carlton interview that you had? From what I remember, it was just it was just very general interview questions. So um, nothing specific about sport or anything, but it was mm. just, it was very general interview questions. Yeah, nice. Um. Yeah, but yeah, like it's an amazing, amazing team I got to meet with and um, yeah, it was, it was very exciting and uh, as soon as I met the leadership team there, I knew I wanted to be there because um, yeah, really great to get along with them and I think that was like really important for them as well, um, finding the right fit for personality too. Um, so yeah. a lot of it was just general conversation like we're having now. Yeah, nice. Not so much question, question, question. Ryan, do you remember when we interviewed Michael Wolfert? about his interview at the Cincinnati Bengals, the, the NFL team. And um, you'll enjoy this, Maddie, because this is how an NFL team tests cultural fit. They gave Michael um, an hour for this interview, and then once the interview was done, they took him out of the room and introduced him to the rest of the commercial partnerships team, which is the team he was applying for. And uh, they went on a half an hour walk around the stadium just to chat to Michael and get to know him, just to see how he would fit in yeah, just to see how that, how he would fit in with the team, and um, he nailed it. Obviously, he uh, got the job and got to go to the Super Bowl. But I thought, um, what a what a unique way to um, to test cultural fit. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you got any su- suggestions for your boss on how to recruit more membership staff for next year, but a walk around Icon Park could be one. <laughs> hey, it's quite a long walk. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's about 800 metres around there. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to find the right cultural fit. And, um, yeah, that definitely stood out to me at Carlton, was finding the right person for the right job. Yeah. And how many interviews did you have? Four. Wow. Four. Jeez. That's in uh, that's in Michael Wolford territory. He yeah. was saying they have about seven rounds. Yeah, over but there. honestly, like I wouldn't change it for the world because yeah. I mean, I know people say that they get scared for interviews. Um, and I understand that, but I mean I was back at them with just as many questions because I want to find the right employer as well. Um, and it's the same for them. So yeah. um, very, very lengthy process. But it was good because I knew I was going into the right place. And if I wasn't the right fit, um, for culture, then it wasn't meant to be. I've, uh, I've got two questions off the back of that. One, do you remember how the interviews differed from one to the next? Was there a different theme or different line of questioning or different people in each? And then secondly, what questions did you prepare to, to fire back at them? Because you obviously made an impact on them. Um, the first one was more so of a casual conversation. Um, second one was a Zoom interview. Third one was at the club and the fourth one was at the club as well. So um, the manager of the team was always there, but um, a few different people um, on the second two. Um, and in terms of questions that I asked them, I always have gone to job interviews with questions and I kind of like to do my research. Um, I wish I could, I wish I had them here with me because I feel like, I feel like I always have some good questions, yeah. <laughs> but um, I can't even think of any off the top of my head. They'd be around culture, right? Like what? Oh, what I always ask a like? hundred questions about culture yeah. because, to me, that's the number one most important thing. Um, when I used to, when I used to be a manager, it was the most important thing to me. And even though I'm not managing a team anymore or mm. at the top, I still want to be someone with a good culture because I can't control it. So I want to know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I, I want to know like about the challenges and the day to day, what's coming up in the next few months. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think questions kind of come up as you have a conversation, but, um, I generally go in with five to 10 questions depending on the job. Mm. I get asked a lot. I get messages from different people who are about to go in for an interview and they're like, you know, I need to ask questions and I need to make sure they're quality. Like, what do I do? Are there any sort of like go-to questions that you could possibly share around like you know if someone is going for an interview tomorrow what what's like two or three that you just fall back on my favorite question is describe the culture in one word nice yeah that's on the spot yeah exactly 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 if they're putting me on the spot i'm putting them on the spot back (laughs) um what do you think the biggest challenge for me or be coming into this role yeah that's a good one yeah um how do you how do you keep the team motivated as well yeah um what do you do for the culture here um, to keep it alive? But I'm um, happy to post my um, document of questions yeah. on Discord. That could be cool. Like. Yeah. That could be very cool. Like, yeah. I don't want to have a bank. I think it's really important to have those questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, even though a job sounds really good on paper, you still need to completely understand it. I think as well, like, when, when you go into an interview with a level of self respect, knowing that this job has to fit me and it has to serve me just as much as I'm going to serve it. It really makes an impression on people because you can tell the people who are like, I just want any old job or I just want to work at my favorite footy club. I'll do whatever it takes to get in there. But 
if you go in there and say, actually, no, I'm not going to join any workplace unless it's, unless it's actually a good fit for me, then I think it makes a really great impression on people to say, actually, this person's got the confidence and the self-awareness to know what's right and what's wrong in the workplace, which shows a level of maturity, which indicates that you're going to be a great employee. So I think it's, um, it's uh, without even intending it to be, I think it's a, it's a great lever to pull on just to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm up for the job. Yeah, 100%. And when, like for, with Carlton, for example, um, I really had to remove the emotion from it, um, which I was able to do. And yeah, like I said, I still had plenty of questions and I went through four interviews and there was questions in every single interview that I took um, because as the interviews went on, I found out more and more about the role and the people. And um, yeah, like that's probably something about working in sport. Sometimes you've got to take the emotion out of it. Mm. Yeah. So you, could, so you don't get caught up in, oh, I want to work there because it's my favorite club. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you, you still want it to be the right job. Yeah, Totally. I want to ask about the onboarding process for membership roles at, at AFL clubs because fr- from the outside looking in, it seems like you've got a whole suite of products that you guys need to sell. How does a fresh membership officer come to learn what those products are but also what are the unique selling points of each of them and how do you communicate that to a member to to get them to buy? So can you recall how either Richmond or Carlton introduced this to you and and taught you how to sell memberships? Uh, Anyone who works in ticketing or um, memberships across any sport will know about the system called Arctics. Does everyone use that? Everyone uses that. It was built in 1995. It hasn't been updated since. Oh, wow. So that's the first big hurdle that anyone has to cross. And it's it's very hard um, to recruit people in membership and ticketing because you have to spend so much time learning on the system. Um, I've been using it now for four, just over four months. And I'm still learning on it every day. It's so old and it's just not what we're used to in this generation. Um, So, yeah, we spent two weeks learning that system. Um, And membership packages are really easy to pick up if you're familiar with AFL. Mm. And if you're an AFL member, you kind of already understand it anyway. Um, But every single package has a different selling point. So um, in terms of customer service, you just really got to find out what's best for each individual person. And it like... In terms of the onboarding timeline, like is that like four weeks or is it two weeks as you mentioned? Or like it's two weeks. Yeah, and yeah. two weeks and you're ready to go. You, you yeah. can go and sell. Yeah. Um, you have the phone. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, yeah, but it was two weeks. Yeah. With six of us. Wow, six at once. That that'd be a lot easier though, right? Was, like if yeah, you were just 100%. one person learning, you've got another five there that you can you, you know, can bounce off, bounce them. off, and, yeah. and learn from. So. And and when you like you you're working for two massive AFL clubs, when you're dealing with fan bases of that size, is most of your role taking inbound calls and finding the right membership product for these people, or are you doing outbound calls to try and grow the membership tally? Because I'd imagine you know the membership crew at Collingwood Football Club this year, for example, they probably barely have to lift a finger. Everyone's coming to them to buy a membership. So what was your split of outbound versus inbound looking like this year? Um, it's very 50-50 because you go through acquisition and retention phases for membership. Um, so we do a lot of outbounds, um, but there's also a lot of inbounds. So mm. I think I mentioned offline that we had um, over a 1,000 calls last week. So on days like that, you don't even have time to even think about doing outbounds. Yeah. Um, but membership's one of those things a lot of people just don't get around to it. So that's why we do so many outbounds and it's very successful. Yeah. 
And what are those times of years? You know, you said retention or acquisition. Like when are you obviously like preseason? Yeah, so it's it's retention now. It's retention now, and um, as soon as the season kicks off, it'll be acquisition. Yeah, yeah. And when, when does that switch? Um, start of the season. Right. Yeah. So, so first game you go into retention mode. Yeah, and keeping people because I like, yeah. imagine this year with Carlton and how many people were wanting to cancel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come round nine. Kind of depends on where the teams are. Yeah, but acquisition sort of doesn't really stop. Yeah, I don't think. Um, at Richmond, we didn't hit a hundred thousand members until nearly the end of the season. So yeah. it was acquisition every single day. But then, yeah, you just kind of find a split, I guess, between acquisition and yeah. retention. Never really thought about it, hey? <laughs> no, no. It'd be interesting to see the the uh, the membership calendar. Um, I want to ask about um, the use of KPIs internally. Like, what what do what do the use of targets look like for a membership team, and do they get put on the team more broadly, or they, do they put on you individually? Are these related to revenue, new members, number of calls? What what sort of things are you looking to hit each day and each week? Um, yeah, we try hit an inbound and outbound target every day. Um, like, is it just inbound outbound? Is it customer? like satisfaction like um day in day out we have an inbound and outbound target um overall for a whole season there's a customer satisfaction rating yeah. that you want to be hitting but um inbound and outbound and talk time on the phones yeah nice um and like all that in mind like what this might be a longer answer for you but like what what does the typical day look like for you from when you buy your morning coffee, sit down at your desk to when you leave? Like what What, are sort of, what does it look like? Every single day is different. <laughs> um, if I had a dollar for the amount of people who said that, Rubes, on this podcast, I reckon I'd be well, that's sport. probably nearly $300 with because we've done. I didn't think I was going to be going to work on apps. Monday and taking 900 calls about finals yeah. tickets. Nah, 100%. Um, and sport is different every day. But yeah. um, – we take all the phone calls that come in and then we do a lot of outbounds at the same time. Yeah. Um, we spend a lot of time on the phones and I love it. I love every second of it. I've always been in real customer-centric roles, so um, I love to do it, but it is a lot of time on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we spend most of our days. So you sit down and you take inbound yeah. and then if the phone... Between calls. Yeah, okay. Make outbounds. So you just split it depending on what's happening at any one time. Yeah. Nice. What about like emails and stuff? Are you... Are you want emails as well, or is it mainly phone calls, or like what is? It's just phone calls. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have individual. In, we have individual emails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I thought you just dealt with a phone number. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of the overall email, um, it's not something we have to worry about because the phones are too yeah. busy. Yeah. The phones nice. are too busy. Dude, that'd be good. Imagine no emails yeah. and all you had to do was it's ring. It's so much easier to just ring someone. Yeah. And if I ever totally. receive an email, I just call them anyway because yeah. it's way easier and way quicker if i could put one message on a billboard it would be pick up the phone <laughs> Rose yeah, is a big phone guy loves really calls. okay he's efficient i am one of those people that will not answer a call if i don't have it saved in my phone and every yeah. time i make a call i just have that feeling like what i feel like me because a lot of people won't answer the phone <laughs> yeah and it comes up as a generic number you don't know who's calling i mean uh, i wish every 100%. single person's phone could say carlton yeah. Or whatever club it is. But I should bring that in, I reckon, because when I get a call from a random number, I think it's a scammer. That's, yeah, my, first, that's my first thought, right? Guys, you'll never believe this, but I'm literally getting a random call from China oh. right <laughs> now. It says China mainland. I'm not answering that. I'm, I'm, take, I'm, I'm taking, taking your advice on that. <laughs> that. How's the timing of that? <laughs> I know. 
And I've I've got a Spanish SIM card in my phone right now that I haven't given the number to anybody. So I don't know where this has come from. How have they found you? <laughs> I don't know. Far See, that's where, do, where did they even find our numbers? Yeah. It's I will never understand. TikTok. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll chat before a little bit about how you've always been sort of customer facing and you've been able to build those sort of skills across your career. If you were to put your job down as sort of three main skills that you need, what, what are those three skills that you, you need to essentially be in memberships? Um, yeah, I think for my job specifically, um, I said it before, but um, communication skills and being able to speak to many different people with different personalities and holding conversations. Um, even like phone manner and email manner. Yeah. Um, you'd be surprised about how many people don't have an email manner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, teamwork skills are imperative, probably in any job in sport. It's a very, very collaborative environment. Sometimes you do have to work autonomously, but um, it's it's a complete teamwork environment. Yeah. And um, as we just touched on, it's a very, very fast-paced environment. So you really need to be able to think on your feet and mm. have good organisation and time management skills. I know that's actually probably more than three, but that's fine. It kind of falls under the umbrella of time management. No, because you don't have time. Like something, like I said, like something changes every day. Something's happening every day. So no, absolutely. I think it's kind of core skills in in any job, let alone in sport. Like even one you mentioned there, like email etiquette and phone etiquette, I reckon is a big one. Yeah. I don't even know how you learn that. Yeah. Well, I think it's just kind of life skills, you know, and learning from other people and how they do it. But like, I'm sure the way that I wrote an email in 2017 when I started at cricket is very different to how I write an email now. So I think it's just time and and doing it. Well, you know, what's really funny now that you say that sparked my memory at both of my interviews, I had to write an email. Really? Yeah. And what about? Like, what was just generic email, just a generic reply. Oh, okay. So, um, just to kind of, I guess that would be to test your email manner. So you can it. send an email. Yeah, because there's actually a lot of people that don't have it, especially now with social media. Yeah. There's so many people that don't know how to write emails. I worked in an admin job when I was 19. Yeah. And I think from there, like, that's how I learned how to write emails. That is that is really really cool. I remember. Um, I remember Emily Collin, the social media producer for the Australian women's cricket team, came on and said in her interview process, she had to live tweet a cricket game. They basically like put a whole bunch of events of a cricket match in front of her on a bit of paper and they, and sh- and they said, tweet about what's going on just so they could read what she was, what was happening in front of her. So interesting to hear that they're like getting you to practice what you're going to be doing every single day as well, but in a, in a different environment. Um, I did have one question on um, your your skills. Is there any one particular previous experience, could be anything at all, where you felt like you cut your teeth and, and developed those communication and time management and organisational skills that prepared you for this job? Um, I feel like it's a bit niche, but being a store manager was a very big job and having my own store to run, yeah. um, that would probably be it. Like I, I started as a casual in that role. And I worked my way up um, to become a store manager, but yeah, the amount of the amount of skills I learned in that role is just monumental. You're doing everything, right? It's it's in everything. Yeah, absolutely everything. So uh, such a such a fast paced environment as well, wow. and you're thinking on your feet every single day. You're dealing with so many people. I mean, we'd have like over fifty staff in Christmas, and yeah, retail is a is a very busy world. So 
honestly being a store manager in retail. I think I think it just shows that like, you know, a lot of people are coming through and wanting to work in sport and thinking that they need to do a sports job no matter what, mm. casually coming through in order to get one. Like you're a great story of someone who hasn't come from that sports job immediately, but you're using all the skills that you got from yeah. those jobs to get in. So I think it's it's just a good reinforce everybody that like you don't need to do something in sport as your first job like yeah, it's okay 100%. you're still building experience and it's still relevant for yeah. jobs that you can get so, yeah and yeah. i think like the resume i've built has obviously helped me get the job regardless awesome maddie this has been terrific and, and very very insightful i know we're coming up to uh, the end of the afl season and i believe this is usually around the time when the afl teams start to top up their uh, their staff so for grads who might be going into a membership group interview or recruitment process soon, do you have any advice for them on how they can break into the sports industry? Um, two things. So I know the people listening have probably heard this so many times, but you need to go and meet people. So at my first sports grad meetup, I was so scared. I actually went into the bathroom because I was so scared. And I'm, I'm extroverted. Like I can talk to people. Yeah. But I was scared. But now that I've done one, like I've, I've jumped over that hurdle. What was your first one? Uh, Melbourne Carlton. Oh, awesome. Yeah. At the, at the G. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, but it was scary. Yeah. Um, you don't come across as a, as a scared person. I you am. very comfortable. Not at all. Yeah, which is, there you go. You, there you go. <laughs> but I was. And that's the thing. Like so many people would be in that same position. And uh, I mean, like I remember walking to the room, like so many people knew people. But now, like literally from that night alone, like I have such great mates. Like I went to the footy with one of them a few weeks ago from someone I met that night. Wow. So it just goes to show, you know, and that night I met so who, many. Who was that? Ed. So shout out to Ed. Ed Wilson. Yeah, he's a legend. Great. Don't tell him, don't tell him you mentioned him. I want to see if you listen. One to of the, the great friends of the show. Yeah. That is amazing. Absolute hey. legend. And I think Rube's actually told me to message him initially. So absolute great man he's taught me so much he's uh he's actually due for an episode i would have thought yeah. uh he, he's certainly on the radar so i think before before the year's done i think he he'll be on this pod so yeah. if you do chat to him before tell him we're coming okay uh, <laughs> um but yeah going to meet as many people as possible that is so cool to hear um yeah 100 percent. and everyone has a very unique story and everyone's at a very different stage in their career and there are so many jobs in sport like unbelievable like there was there's jobs that I didn't even know existed mm. and um yeah it's amazing to hear t- people's um experience and their journey to where they to how they've gotten to where they are today um and yeah like I, I was just going to say like in terms of interviews as well like be confident but like you need to have those people skills obviously but um do your research and be confident and go in with those questions awesome I was just going to say that like, that's, that's a wonderful meetup story. Like we've, we've got stories of people getting jobs off the back of them. We went up to Queensland one year and found out uh, Eloise Mullins and Izzy Collins had become friends and joined a football club together and now they're on the committee of that football club. So they're literally – a sports grad meetup is now powering a football club in, in Queensland thanks to those two. But to hear that uh, connections have been made in Melbourne and you're now going to watch footy together is a – Another great story to uh, to come out of them. So thank you for sharing that with us. We love all those little little tidbits. Um, awesome. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, appreciate you me. are super super busy at the moment. The baggers are going strong. Fingers crossed for you uh, on Friday night. Even though I'm going for the D's this week, I'm sorry, uh, but <laughs> it's been great sort of hearing about your your journey to get to where you are. 
Um, as I said, we, we love people who have come from a, a non-sporting background and then got into the sports industry. And you've got a really cool story and some of the skills you learned early on and how you're using those now to mm. to smash it in the, the memberships department at Carlton is uh, is super impressive. So thanks for coming in and uh, we'll see you at the next meetup, no yeah. doubt. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Time now for the people's segment, of course, Ask Sports Grad, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you'd like to ask a question first, become a Sports Grad member, jump into our website at sportsgrad.com.au slash community to join the waitlist for our next drop. And then you can question, you can chuck a question in the channel called Ask Sports Grad. Rubes, this week comes from one of our favorite members of all time. I'm happy to put it out there, Yuri. He's actually our member of the month for August, so we love Yuri. He has a question, and it's around it's around LinkedIn. So he says, how do I increase my LinkedIn engagement? I feel like I'm posting, but it's not quite hitting the numbers I would have liked. It's a great question. We're all looking for this. It is a great question, and there's nothing more flattening than putting out a LinkedIn post and nobody engages with it. <laughs> like putting yourself out on LinkedIn. Putting yourself out on LinkedIn is like hard enough, but when no one comments or likes what you're doing, it's just like, okay, well, why did I even bother? <laughs> so, and also when when you think it's like really, really good, and you're like, oh, like how how did that not resonate? I don't get it. Yep, totally, totally. I've I can empathise with you, Yuri. Um, in the last three and a bit years, I've posted over a, a thousand LinkedIn posts, and. Uh, Thankfully, that feeling of having a post that falls flat has worn off. But during those 1,000 posts, I've also kind of worked out what works well and what doesn't work well. And so um, every year of posting on LinkedIn, I will analyze my posts that have gone out and figure out, well, what posts are doing the best and how can I do more of it and what posts are not doing so well and how can I do less of that. And so in that time, my posts have um, gathered over 4 million impressions views of people on LinkedIn looking at my posts and the average view count per post has kind of gradually gone up year by year as I've started to optimize what are the best types of things to be posting. So here's a couple of things I've learned. Number one, um, we share a lot of podcast episodes. One thing that tend to works, tends to work really well when we're sharing something that's got a link attached to it is um, take a photo and talk about the episode using that photo and then include a link in the comments. So for example, if I was interviewing you, Ryan, and I said, I've got a brand new episode coming out with Ryan Walker, rather than just post a, a link to the episode and let Apple Podcasts provide a preview on LinkedIn and it just posts the podcast tile, what I'd do is I'd take a photo with you in the studio or I'd grab a screenshot with you if I was recording over Zoom and I'd post that and then I'd chuck a link to where you can find the podcast in the comments. There's a couple of reasons for that. If we start with the imagery, a lot of people just post links to articles and other different embedded media types on LinkedIn. And so it's a really common thing to see. And the bad thing about common types of posts is they don't stop people from scrolling. And your number one goal on LinkedIn if you're posting content is to get people to stop and look at what you are posting. So if you post something more interesting, you'll get them to stop. Then if you want people to, um, if you want that to be pushed to as many people as possible, one thing that LinkedIn seems to not really like 
is links in the post. Yep. So if you take the links out of the post and put them in the comments, then LinkedIn seems to, to optimize that as well. Another thing that LinkedIn seems to like or seems to do too is um, push out a post um, a lot more if it gets the most, if it gets a lot of engagement in the first hour. So the first hour of a post tends to determine how successful that post is going to be. So if you can optimize the time that you post, then you'll get more people in the first hour and it'll get carried further after that. So if you think about when the best time to post is, just think about when you're on LinkedIn. Mm. Typically in between when you're doing other stuff. So in the morning, over lunch or in the evening. So typically if you post at those three points of time of the day, you should be able to get people whilst they're active on the platform. So um, there's a couple of things to try. The last thing I will say is um, text and copy. So you've got to write something to accompany your image. Um, The best thing that you can do is keep it short and sharp. So one to two paragraphs, explain what it is, explain the benefit that people are going to get from clicking on your link, include a clear call to action to say, if you want to listen to this podcast, check out the comments below for the link. Um, and uh, give people what they need in as quick amount of time as possible because people are busy, people don't have time to read massive stories about everything. Sometimes that's appropriate, but generally keep it short, keep it punchy, make the image engaging, and then put a link to anything you want to include in the comments and uh, generally just post it at 8 a.m. and you'll be right. Love it. Yeah, I think it's, it's super interesting and like, you know, I'm the same you kind of just go through and you learn what works so i think like for those out there who <clears throat> have probably just started on linkedin or have been you know more active on it for about you know six months it's a good period of time to look back actually go back and look at what has worked and what doesn't and you'll start to see patterns literally like you do Rubes, you go through each year and look at these patterns like even if you've only been using it for a small period of time, just go back and see what works and what hasn't. And you'll see some things that you're doing really well and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, a big learning for me as well has been posting these links and it just doesn't perform. Like I used to always post the YouTube link to our episodes, Rubes, and talk about posts that go flat. That was one of them. So, um, yeah, love, love that. Photos and, uh, and adding a link in the comments usually usually goes well that's it awesome thank you for that yuri great great question mate um if you'd like to ask us a question or ask our mates in sport a question become a sports grab member each fortnight we hold virtual events where it's an open floor for you to ask us or industry professionals any of your questions this week we've got speed networking our number one favorite event here at sports grad uh so jump on that and, and get involved when you join, you also get immediate access to over 50 hours of exclusive content along with our private Discord server with over 650 other sports professionals inside. So jump in and get involved. In the meantime, you can find us on LinkedIn, funny enough, and give us some love with a rating. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the SportsGrad newsletter. 
head to our website www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join. 